0: Guys, welcome back to another episode of the wonderful The Arsenio ZSL podcast, man. I'm so excited about this one because today we're going to be talking about the things that you may want to discuss in an information sharing meeting. Oh my God, I'm back out here in nature, obviously at my house. I haven't been out here since obviously getting my whole home office fixed, but to be honest with you, I just do not want to ramp up. That's one of your key phrases from last time, right? I did not want to ramp up the air over and over, and I just didn't have much in, for, in you know, inspiration in that box. So I'm back out here in nature, getting back down to uh, the grassroots, seeing these disgustingly long uh, mushrooms that, um, yeah, that oh my god, oh my god, my partner had to cut loose because it was disgusting. But you know what? I'm so grateful, guys. Let's get into this, people. So here we go. When you're in, obviously, one of those information sharing meetings. You need to understand that there are things that you need to address immediately, and this is simply because you know you need to get to the root of the cause of the problems. And there was a case study that I was actually uh, speaking while that I was discussing with one of my uh, my uh, my students recently. It was about how to adapt to the uh, to a world where the you know the economy is getting ready to just go supplant or already is well. That's what it comes down to. So I have a lot of great compound nouns here and we're going to discuss some of these. So again, production, margins, market channels, staff sheets, profit methods, distribution trends. And some of these things obviously is are, are things that you know happen in let's say logistics, a lot of it. Corporate finance, of course, and I would have to say that production margins, and especially in the realm of uh, what is it, Uh, corporate finance, is very, very important for a lot of people out there. You know, and if you're looking at, uh, and if you're looking at like, let's just say a cash flow problem, you're going to have to figure out and say, okay, what are some things that I'm going to be able to cut to be able to stay afloat. Remember, I talked about this probably back in the last season, too. Um, And, you know, just speaking with, uh, what is it, an advertising agency, you know, they were talking to me about, uh, you know, quality campaigns that they have on, you know, Facebook or, you know, using TikTok for, of course, advertising and stuff like that. Because that's going to make all the difference in the world, right? Cost development. Luckily, I do not work in that specific area in regards to, you know, okay, how much is it going to take to create all these things? And again, considering that I was working at a very big factory, uh, what is it, competitors to IKEA and Lazy Boy, and I was looking at, like, their supply and demand, they had a ridiculous amount of demand, but their supply was very low. And so they had to ramp up production because of it, which is a great thing, but they had to hire a lot of newcomers and stuff like that. Um, You know, supply projections, figuring out, okay, how much are we going to make from the supply or the stock that we have right now? And product cutting. Product cutting is huge for a lot of people. Just like I told you the previous one, Steve Jobs was like, man, what are we doing? We need to cut all these ridiculous SaaS products and focus on the company's core competencies, right? Customer budgets. Now, I think customer budget is very, very, very important, right? I like to call it a people with money market and the people with no money market, right? And so if I looked at IELTS, right? IELTS, and when I was teaching it back in 2020, I was in a market where people just did not have money, did not have money whatsoever. The majority of the people who were coming to me were Filipino, Love you guys, and Indians, okay? All right, now, no offense to either of those nationalities, but the majority of them were trying to haggle me. And so I asked myself, I said, man, is there is something significantly wrong with this specific test preparation course because the majority of the customer's budgets are just insufficient. Now, fast forwarded to obviously me having the majority of my students being pharmacists and doctors and stuff like that. I uh, am now going into a newer market now, general English, business English and stuff like that. And there were a couple of students who had been referred over from one of my close students from last year, who's going to be coming to my stitching coming up next year, Thais. And, you know, I was telling them and, you know, I was telling them, gave them a free demo and everything. And I'm like, okay, so basically it's this much per hour, this, 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 this. They're like, okay, how can I pay? Now, if we go back two years looking at the customer budget, I'm like, okay, it's this per hour. They're like, okay, I'll let you know. Or they say, oh, my God, that's way too expensive. Or they send me a message, oh, that's way too expensive. And they try to say, oh, I can only pay you $2 an hour. And I'm like, okay, goodbye. You know what I mean? And so, you know, customer budgets, you have to figure out the market that you're speaking to, you know. Um, But then, of course, there's salary support, IT reviews, price procedures, Uh, training relations, all these different things are what should be discussed in regards to meetings where you're trying to figure out the overhead and how much money you have, et cetera, et cetera. So what I have here is I'm going to share you a little bit of a meeting, a guy who is like, I guess you could say board executive, and he's going to be giving people, uh, I guess you could say a little bit of a Raw, raw speech. It's actually a bingo game, but let's listen to a couple of the idioms that he has to say in here, and let's see if you can pick up some of the compound nouns that I used in both of today's podcast and the previous podcast to see if you can, you know, pick them up and see what he is talking about in general. So with that being said, people, here we go. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Just like that it begins in the grassroots of an organization that's what I love that's what I love about this and you know what he said something very very important he said if we keep doing what we've always done we're always going to get what we've all re- uh, what we've always gotten meaning your skills that you have today and based on your finances and everything is a direct result of what you already know and the skills and everything that you've learned throughout that process getting you to where you are today but to be honest with you that's not going to necessarily get you to the next destination that you're going to is what he's trying to say so let's put it this way me i'm very bored of teaching total let's be honest okay you probably heard a lot of my podcasts because it was so much uh, so many uh, so much content in regards to what I've been posting. But now I'm just like, oh man, I really do not like posting the TOEFL IBT, you know, not posting it, but I really don't like teaching it because it felt like I fell out of passion. So that skill, although it did help me, to be honest with you, I haven't gotten many students recently for TOEFL. As a matter of fact, I've gotten them for Business English and General English. So now I'm like, okay, well, those are two skills that were the benchmark of what I've become from 2014, leading all the way through. And if I could start reaching into and getting into these markets and stuff like that, this is going to make all the difference in the world. And plus I love seeing people build their skills and their communication styles and everything in regards to general English and business English. So That was a very critical, a very critical statement because a lot of people, they just feel like knowing and having the skills that they have tomorrow is going to build them an even brighter future, but it's upskilling what's going to help you. And if you don't upskill, you could go under. That was one of the idioms he had stated and I had written it down. Go under meaning, hey, there are many businesses out there that have went kaput because they never adapted. And just like what Brad Pitt said in the movie, uh, that baseball movie, I forgot what it was called. Moneyball, I think. Uh, he said, adapt or die. And a, pop- a lot of people don't adapt. They end up just dying. And I'm gonna give you this last one. If you look at an NFL team, okay? And I can only tell you from NFL teams, or if you could tell me from the bottom feeders in the Premier League, whatever sports you may see or follow, if you look at the lowest of low teams, If you look at the work ethic of all the individual players, the coaches, everything, you could see how they fail so miserably all the time. They could literally get their fucking ass kicked on the field by 30 to 50 points, and then they'd be like, okay, man, so what club are we going to go out to? And I'm just like, what? I remember one time Kobe Bryant was being interviewed, and there were a bunch of losers on this team. I think this is back in 2017, 18, Uh, and... Uh, It was the Lakers team. And it's so funny that they won one game. And the next thing you know, they were just so excited, saying all this uh, ridiculousness on the camera, Jeremy Lin, PJ, but all these guys who are just a bunch of losers nowadays. As a matter of fact, this had to probably be about 2016, 15, or 14. And Kobe was watching them do this. And then Jimmy Kimmel was like, oh, my God, I thought of you when they were actually doing this. And everyone was laughing, and Kobe was straight face. He was like, what are you celebrating? You're celebrating a losing record and a poor work ethic and a person who consistently always parties and parties and parties and parties for what? Look what you've done. The job isn't done yet. And that's what I love so, loved so much about Kobe Bryant's work ethic, especially back in the 2009 fi- finals, because he was like, he was being asked. And there was a reporter, the reporters are the worst in America, but they asked him, they said, hey, so you haven't cracked a smile after two games. He's like, is the job done yet? he's like yeah but you just won the game but is the job done yet have we won the finals yet no i don't feel like that the job's not done yet i'm not going to crack a smile until the job is done and that goes to show you the work ethic of kobe bryant back in 2009 because what you need to understand is although you know if you're losing and you're going out and partying that's exactly why you're the bottom feeder in any field of endeavor you know, it's about going back and watching the tape and figuring out, okay, what do I need to do to get better? That's what I've always done in all fields of endeavor and throughout my life. And so with that being said, people, whew, those are some compound downs for you. That was a little buzzword for you. Okay, a little follow up. And in the next podcast, we're going to be talking about, you know, saying things vaguely and being very blunt. So stay tuned for that. And I'm your host, as always, over and out.